0: chapter three part one of pleasure cycling by henry clyde this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter three how to ride some love to roam o'er the dark sea foam where the wild winds whistle free but a bright cool day with a smooth highway and a spin on the wheel for me f m holland there are two ways of learning to ride a bicycle you may put yourself under the charge of an instructor either in the open air or in a riding school or you may go out alone with your machine for a course of more or less rough-and-tumble practice on the road it is wholly or nearly impossible to learn riding on the ladies common loop frame wheel without the assistance either of a professional instructor or of some practiced amateur rider in the riding school you will first be placed in the saddle and upheld by the instructor be made to ride around the track until you are able to balance with an occasional tumble and to propel your machine and you will afterwards be taught principally by practice to mount and dismount if on the other hand you are your own teacher you must learn first how to mount your wheel Since reaching the saddle is a necessary preliminary to riding at all, select a smooth bit of ground, slightly inclining, and if you are a bashful person, as secluded as possible from public observation, and begin. Standing just astride the rear periphery of the rear wheel of your bicycle, grasp the handles firmly, holding the head of the machine at right angles with the frame, the wheel pointing down the hill now place the ball of your left foot on the step of the machine set your teeth rise on the left foot as nearly to a standing posture as you dare and as your grasp on the handles will permit and let the machine go it is well to have the handlebars set rather high for this preliminary practice and the saddle low and the machine should carry a brake. you will get many a fall at first but will learn in a very few lessons to stand on the step and balance in that position while your wheel runs fifty or a hundred feet and when you have learned this you have got a long way when you find that you can mount the step and balance there with some confidence for a hundred feet run try for the saddle from the step and for the pedals from the saddle you will fail ignominiously the first dozen times and probably get several falls, but your first successful mount will be an era in your cycling career, for you will have gotten the knack, and your confidence in your own ability will rise by many degrees. After you are reasonably sure of making a successful start and mount, aided by the force of gravity, try the start on level ground, but you need not make a special business of this. You may go out upon the road, taking advantage of convenient declivities to get a start, and practice the level start as you find opportunity. This is, of course, made by placing the left foot on the step, hopping with the right foot so as to propel the bicycle forward, and then rising on the step. As to balancing in the saddle, you will be told, and it is true in fact, that the equilibrium of the wheel is to be maintained by turning the steering wheel in the direction towards which you are in danger of falling this at first seems inexplicable to you and you will persist in trying to save yourself by turning the wheel the wrong way at length in a happy moment the knack comes to you and thereafter you balance unconsciously that is the movements by which you maintain your equilibrium are nearly automatic although none the less actual and positive in their effect. You will learn to dismount in the first place from the left pedal, but for some little time you will probably get off the machine anyhow without attracting more observation than you can help. But there cannot be a useful manual of elementary instruction in cycling. A few hours' patient practice will teach you more than all the professors of the art can write. So, in what follows, the writer assumes that the beginner has learned already to balance himself in his saddle, to propel his bicycle, and in some fashion to mount and dismount. But to those readers who have never ridden, and who contemplate learning to do so, a single suggestion may be useful. Do not, if you can avoid it, buy a new high-grade machine and take it out upon a country road for the purpose of learning to ride it you will misuse and perhaps ruin it if you are within reach of a riding-school learn there at least to balance and ride after you are in the saddle do not be surprised if on your first outdoor run you get badly fatigued a mile out and return home in a bath of perspiration to get up the next morning with a pair of lame or stiff legs you have for the first time in your life perhaps been really exercising the pushing muscles and these need time to strengthen and develop ride at first on smooth and level roads then take some easy ascent make a good start for it and dismount as soon as you find that you cannot keep the wheel from wobbling turn the machine run down the hill stop for a good breath and try again. You will run farther the second time than the first, and, if you are not tired out, farther the third time than the second. Attack the same hill the next day, and the chances are that you will conquer it, if it is not too long. Do not get impatient. You will not easily get discouraged, for you will find something in wheeling, even in the learning of it, which increases the neophyte's grit and makes him persevere. The rider has never known a person attempting to learn riding who has failed, in a longer or shorter time, to succeed. After you have learned to ride with some pleasure and confidence, you may find the suggestions that follow as to the management of your machine of use. Most beginners are disposed to ride with a low saddle, and with this pushed back as far as the saddle rod will permit thus the push upon the pedal is too much in a diagonal direction forward and downward with the result of a loss of power in propulsion and of speedily producing fatigue in the muscles of the inside of the leg just above the knee and at the ankle joint it is obvious that the most powerful and easiest push is to be obtained by a motion of the leg and foot nearly vertical and with the foot kept bent downward from the ankle as in the swimming stroke rather than at an upward bend or horizontal with the ankle bone the rider using the faulty tread described is like a swimmer who should keep his body bent at the hips at an angle of several degrees And abridge each of his strokes by an inch or two. The saddle should be raised so high that, at the full stroke of the leg, with the foot bent downward as described, the forward part of the foot will just rest easily and firmly on the pedal. As a rough rule, it may be said that the saddle should be so adjusted that the point of the cantle will be in a horizontal line with the top of the rider's hip bone as he stands beside it. At the same time, the saddle should be brought forward so far that the push of the foot will be nearly vertical instead of diagonal, and, with the leg extended, the heel should just rest easily on the pedal at its lowest point of revolution. In those saddles which are set on a tilting bracket, some small advantage may be gained by tilting the saddle forward, but too much tilt will render the seat uncomfortable. Another advantage of setting the saddle well forward is that by doing so the weight of the load is more equally distributed between the two wheels of the bicycle, an advantage in riding which is recognized by those wheelmen who ride with a stoop. With the L-rod, or tubular seat rod now commonly used, the gooseneck or curved spring rod seems to have had its day, It is not possible to push the saddle so far forward as to secure an absolutely vertical push on the pedals. And if this were possible, it would not be desirable. It is evident that, if the push is directly vertical, there will be a total loss of pushing power whenever the pedal cranks come to the direct vertical position. That is, there will be two dead points for each complete revolution of the sprocket. On level ground, the momentum of the moving machine will carry it over these, and the momentary loss of power will not be noticed by the rider. But in hill-climbing, momentum no longer aids the wheel, and in fact it becomes a retarding force to drag the machine backwards, and then the dead points become very much in evidence, and will be sure to stop the bicycle if the hill is long enough. On the other hand, with a push ever so little out of the vertical there can never be an absolute loss of power when you have once determined the best adjustment for your saddle it is a good plan to indicate it on the saddle rod by making some light scratches with a file so that you need not lose time in getting the correct adjustment after you have removed the saddle for any purpose push hard on the downward moving pedal and let your foot yield to the upward movement. Otherwise, you are making one foot undo the work of the other. The reverse of this motion, that is, the push on the upward-moving pedal with a release of force on the downward movement, constitutes back-pedaling, an important, and if you ride without a brake, the only means of stopping the machine quickly. Let your foot always cling to or hug the treadle, Keeping the foot bent downward as described, both on the downward push and on the return, unless when back pedaling. As to the handlebar, it should be so adjusted that, sitting in the manner described, you can just easily grasp it. I assume that you ride for pleasure, not to make records, nor to see what measure of muscular effort you are capable of if you ride for pleasure you will stop when you are fatigued walk when walking is easier than riding ride slowly or fast as you feel disposed coast or not when opportunity offers if your ambition is merely to make a certain number of miles in a certain number of minutes believe me you are losing the best of a noble exercise If you would ride easily, gracefully, and with the best results as regards your health and comfort, avoid the stoop in ordinary road riding, says a well-known gymnasium instructor. Why will so many of you sit on your seats like monkeys on a stick and try to grind your noses off on your front wheel? All this is wrong and will only bring discredit on the sport that we love so much there could no occasion arise that would necessitate your sitting on your seat with your back humped up like a camel if the wind is blowing strong and you must ride faster for a time you should bend your body forward at the waist and carry your head well forward and down yet keep your back straight and chest out in this way you will not cut such a ridiculous figure and deep breathing will not be interfered with it is pleasant to know that the stoop fad which apparently reached its height in the season of eighteen ninety three seems to be rapidly dying out keep an erect position like that which a graceful equestrian maintains in his saddle sit easily letting the line of centre of gravity of your body fall a hair's breadth to the front of the saddle centre grasp the handles very lightly You will soon learn that a slight pressure of the hands, just at the base of the fingers, on the handles of the machine is sufficient. After you have ridden for a month or two, and so have acquired some confidence, learn to steer with either hand, leaving the other at liberty. On nothing so much does the pleasure of riding depend as your keeping all the muscles of your body relaxed, except, of course, the propelling muscles of the legs. You will understand this if, when riding with a rigid grasp of the handlebar, with your teeth firmly set and your back stiffened, you happen to remember that you are riding wrongly and let your muscles relax. The relief will be instantaneous and marvelous. Learn to keep the handlebar steady. Thus you will describe a straight track and not a zigzag if you watch the tracks made by other machines on the road you will observe that many of them run a more or less crooked course that is the riders of them are unable to steer straight the knack of straight steering is wholly in the proper management of the hands and arms if you will let your hands rest half open on the handles never grasping these hard and so permit the whole weight of the arms to depend from the wrists You will avoid all involuntary motions of the shoulders or elbow joints, and it is these involuntary movements that produce wild steering. Sitting in this way, a slight movement of the body to right or left will take the corresponding handle with it, and thus you will steer by the body motion and not from the wrists. Learn to dismount by either pedal, then by reversing the motion of mounting. That is, by a slight bound backward from the step, keeping a good grip on the handlebar. It is one thing to scramble, more or less awkwardly, into one's saddle after an exhibition of ungraceful hopping along the ground, and another to vault quietly and surely to one's place and easily catch the pedals. Ease and skill in mounting and dismounting show the accomplished rider and it is worthwhile to practice these assiduously in private. Do not be in too much haste to catch the pedals. If the wheel has impetus enough for a good start, you will have plenty of time to adjust your feet to the pedals gracefully, without fidgeting and paddling about in search of them. The following rules for mounting and dismounting, as given substantially in General Ordway's Cycle Infantry Drill Regulations, are worth keeping in mind. To mount. Grasp the left steering handle with the left hand. Raise the rear wheel slightly from the ground with the right hand. Adjust the pedals to a horizontal position with the left foot. Lower the rear wheel and, grasping both handles, step to the rear of the bicycle. Place the right foot on the ground and the left foot on the step. Take three short steps forward with the right foot and rise on the left foot. Let the body come gently into the saddle and place the feet on the pedals. Or, having adjusted the pedal cranks, step to the left side of the machine, facing front, and place the left foot on the step, the left leg crossing the right. Push forward on the steering handle, rise on the left foot, pass the right leg with knee bent over the rear wheel let the body come gently into the saddle and find the pedals to dismount rise from the saddle on the pedals throwing the weight of the body on the left foot pass the right leg knee bent over the rear wheel descend lightly to the ground removing the left foot from the pedal to dismount by the step carry the left foot to the step rise from the saddle on the left foot and seek the ground with the right foot at the same time checking the machine for a lady's mount and dismount the following directions may be studied standing at the left of the machine advance it until the right pedal begins to descend then step into the space before the saddle place the right foot on the right pedal give a slight push on the ground with the left foot and rising on the right foot take the saddle and without haste find the left pedal the weight of the body pushes the right pedal down as you rise upon it and gives the bicycle an impulse and the left pedal rises to the place for its push to dismount slacken speed with the brake or by back pedaling and when the left pedal reaches its lowest position rise on it and keeping a steady hold on the handles swing the body out and step off the pedal or passing the right foot over the left take a slight hop to the ground in any form of dismount from the pedal be careful to take it at its lowest point or just as it begins to rise if you rise on the back downward movement you will add a sudden impulse to the machine and may have to jump quickly to save yourself General Ordway thus describes the position of the mounted cycler, Head erect and square to the front, chin slightly drawn in, shoulders square to the front, back straight with body slightly inclined forward, arms straight but not rigid, legs straight but stretched by their weight alone, feet parallel to the axis of the bicycle, the ball of the foot resting lightly on the pedal. End quote. You will, where the ground permits, wheel to the left for a full turn, but you should learn to wheel either way with confidence. When wheeling for a turn, choose level ground if possible, as the bicycle is more apt to slip when turning on a declivity than in forward riding. On the turn, always push hard, particularly on the inward pedal and let a strong push accompany each inward shift of the handlebar when making a short turn if in making a short turn you lose your confidence in your ability to make it you will probably go down some teachers of cycling will tell you that the machine is to be steered only by the manipulation of the forward wheel others that it is to be done by the motion of the body in a sense both statements are correct the first seems obviously true since without the turn of the forward wheel you cannot deviate from the straight line but if you will steer not by a motion from the wrist but by slightly swaying the body in the saddle you will find that the wheel answers almost automatically to your movements the arm and wrist following the movement of the body and a certain although unconscious motion of the body is as necessary to the cycler in order to keep an easy balance in the saddle, as to the equestrian. You will discover this if you attempt to make a short wheel, keeping the body in an absolutely erect position. In good riding, first comes the knack of balancing, then, with more or less practice, confidence, until at length you ride, steer, and wheel almost automatically, and will find it the hardest thing in the world to tell another how to do it at this point in your experience your confidence in your bicycle will have become perfect you will as soon expect the armchair by your fireside to rise up in revolt and cast you from its embrace as your wheel to play you a trick or to refuse to answer as if by intuition to your slightest half-formed wish and the bicycle will answer your confidence so long as you keep it going here now says reverend charles f dole THE PARABLE OF THE BICYCLE. THE THING GOES AS LONG AS YOU KEEP UP THE MOTION. IT GOES BY GOING. ONCE STOP WORKING, ONCE BEGIN TO LET IT wobble, AND RUIN FACES YOU. A CERTAIN DEGREE OF MOMENTUM IS NEEDFUL. SO EVERYWHERE, IF YOU WANT TO SUCCEED, YOU MUST KEEP UP YOUR MOMENTUM. BUT THERE IS MORE IN STEERING THAN IS ACQUIRED BY THE PROPER MANAGEMENT OF HANDS, BODY, AND ARMS you will have noticed as has been said that in short wheels you are aided by pushing strongly on the inner pedal the reason for this it will puzzle the beginner to discover but it is really an application of foot steering if you lash or clamp the steering fork of your bicycle so that it cannot turn having the wheels in a straight line mount and start as usual and then letting go of the handles fold your hands and push you will if the machine is in the right balance move on a straight line forward just so long and no longer as you exert an equal pedal pressure with each foot the stronger push usually that with the left foot will drag the machine towards the left just as an oarsman drags the bow of his boat about with his stronger arm and you will probably overturn in that direction. But you will have learned that the machine may be guided by the foot movement, and you will unlash your steering head and go out on the road with that notion in mind. Now bend your energies, say during the first 15 minutes of each run, towards acquiring equal pushing power with each foot. If you find the right foot the weaker, practice wheeling to the right, pushing as hard as you can with the weaker foot. From time to time let go of the handles on a straight, level course, and await results, trying to push as evenly as possible. After many failures the time will come when you will move straight on without a flinch, and you will have begun to acquire the art of riding hands off. You will perfect yourself in this by occasional practice on good ground, and at length, By increasing pressure on one pedal or the other, you will deflect the course of your wheel to that side, and this is foot steering. It, of course, can never be as reliable as body steering, and it can be safely practiced only on fairly good ground. But there are emergencies in which it is convenient to have the hands at liberty, and you will not rest until you have mastered all the qualifications which go to make up a good rider. End of chapter 3, part 1